Can you hear me? Well, good, good morning. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak this morning. So just in case you're expecting Merlin, um, I'm not Merlin. And I'm glad I'm not Merlin. I like being tall, right? So <laughs> Merlin has a, has, a, has a tremendous gift. And uh, that's the gift that God has given him. And, and I just want to walk in the gift that God's given me. Amen? That's really what God requires of us. Just reminded of the scripture this morning that Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And may that just be our thought this morning as we start into the message this morning that he is the way. It's his truth. It's his word that needs to come into our life. As Merlin was praying, he said that your word, his word would come and change us, mold us. That's what his word says. The Bible teaches us that his word will not return void if we allow it to have its work in our hearts. So I'm going to start off this morning. So... Um, for those of you who came looking for a Mother's Day message, you got to wait till next year. So uh, Merlin asked me to share a few weeks ago, and I had no idea it was Mother's Day. And as I was praying, the Lord kind of led me down a path. And, and so I wanted to be um, faithful to what the Lord um, laid on my heart. So first things first, it is Mother's Day. And I like to look things up. I'm a little bit of a historical nerd. Merlin is our Greek nerd. I am a little more of a historical nerd. So it used to be called Mothering Day. And back in 1914, Woodrow Wilson made it a law, or a holiday, a national holiday, and it was for servants, domestic servants, children who were domestic servants, to be able to go home and, and see their mom, see their family. That's how Mother's Day got started. And I want to thank you mothers for what you do, without which none of us would be here today, right? Without a mom somewhere. I know we have different people uh, today that have... Wives that have passed away, such as Joe, and, I, and I, I just love when Joe shares. It's a picture of God's strength and his grace and his mercy in his life. I love that. God is very real. Those that have lost wives and mothers and different things, and maybe even those who don't even know their mothers. But God loves you. I just want to share a couple encouraging verses here real quick. I do have my notes on my iPad. The uh, printer didn't work this morning, so I'll be looking both ways. As I think about motherhood, I think of a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 came to mind where it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. And I think about this as, as Autumn shared about her mother. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. So there may be a little bit of trouble there. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. We are laughing at but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's a picture of motherhood. You know, as I was praying last night and we've been working in our basement for weeks and weeks and weeks and finally we finished it last night, which man, was that a good feeling. And so I had this whole basement to myself and as I was praying last night for you guys and for me, for strength to be able to share and because um, you guys are intimidating from up here. I was thinking about Mark 5, 25, where the woman comes to Jesus. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. And I just want to encourage you sisters with this. Let me get a little water here. Thank you, Les, for the water. As this dear woman, she came to Jesus. She came to Jesus believing that he could do what he does. She came to him believing that this 12 years after all this money she had spent, 
After all the, the heartache that she had encountered, she snuck into the midst of this crowd, a place where she shouldn't have been, and she knew that if she could just touch but the hem of his garment, she'd be made well. And I just want to bless you, sisters. Have that faith that knowing that God is able to do that thing in your life that is most needful right now. He is able to do that. He is able to give you the faith to be able to follow through with those things. He's able to provide whatever it is you're in the midst of right now. I know we have a lot of different things going on in our church. But sisters, keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. So today, we're going to continue making sure I spelled my words correctly there. We're going to continue the same theme um, that we've had as a church so far this year with being available. And I want to look at it from a different perspective. What What if you're being available and you just can't quite figure out what it is God wants you to do? Maybe somebody here this morning, that's the place you're in. You, you feel like God's got something for you to do. You feel like God's given you good gifts, which he has. The word tells us that he has poured good gifts into you, and he expects you to use those to bring honor and glory to him. Amen? He expects that. And so as we talk about being available, and, and Merlin's been preaching some great messages, great encouragement for us to start applying those things to our lives, I want to look at so... Today, our focus is going to be, so what do I do now? And we're going to look at some examples in Scripture. And I just pray, as we talked about earlier, that you allow God's Word to speak to your hearts this morning. It's one of my favorite people. I, I do like to read history. Like I said, I love, um, I love history. So before we went to India three years ago, I said, you know, I wonder who the first missionary to India was. And so I came across this book by William Carey. And he's quoted as being the father of modern missions. And William Carey was this unique fella. He was a little sickly as a young man, and so he wasn't able to do a lot of things that the boys did. So he, he had the lower-end jobs working in making shoes and those types of things. As he grew up, he became a pastor, right? And a pastor's a great thing, amen? Pastors are good things. But he just knew in his heart God had something else for him. God had something else for him. So he, he starts having this burden for the lost. He's reading Matthew 28. He reads Luke 10 too. He's reading those scriptures. He had this burden for this lost. And he's in this group and he's having this meeting with his, with his church elders of their whole group network. And I don't remember what denomination he was a part of anymore. But they were meeting together and he was sharing his burden for the lost. He was sharing his burden for the lost. And one of the men in that, in that congregation, which is the second point up there, says, young man, sit down. You're an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you and me. And William Carey was like, this is crazy. The Bible tells us we're supposed to go out and make disciples of all nations. So two years later, William Carey is, he's out in India. He's on the mission field. And seven years later, after doing what God had called him to do, before he he baptizes his very first convert. Before William Carey left, he, he preached a message. And the, the theme of his message was what you see on the screen here. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. He knew in his heart that God called him to be a missionary. He just knew that. There weren't any missionaries during this time. His own denomination told him he was crazy for going. So he goes off to India. 
is at this point, he's a family man. He's got four children, and his, he loses a son not very long into this to dysentery. He buries, has to bury his seven-year-old son. His wife has sickness after sickness after sickness and has to deal with those things. He can barely put food on the table, but he knows this is what God's called me to do. How many of us know that? How many of us know this is exactly what God has for me today? Not all the time, huh? So I'm gonna look into into God's word this morning and I want us to think about those things. So one of the things that Jesus loves to do, I've been studying through the book of Mark and if you know much about the history of the book of Mark, most of it is a recollection face-to-face with Peter. It was written as Peter um, was helping to write that book. It was the first gospel written. And I was just amazed as I'm reading through the gospel of Mark of how many times Jesus asked questions. Over and over, he's asking questions. So I Googled, and you know, Google's got all the answers. And Jesus asked 173 questions in the gospels. Now, I'm not gonna go through all of those today. We're just gonna go through a few. But Jesus started to teach with questions, and I was thinking about that. Well, you know what? What do we do in Sunday school? We ask questions. We have a discussion. We want to have, we want to have some interaction. That's what Jesus wants with us. But the trouble with questions is they're not very safe, are they? You never know what's going to be said on the other end. When you have, ask a question, you have no control of the answer. No control of the answer. So as we look at the questions today, can you, get, can you allow the Lord to put you in the situation of the question? Can you allow the Lord to speak directly to you today with the questions that he's asking in Scripture? And I want you to answer those questions in your own heart. And we're going to look at the example of Peter. He's my favorite uh, in the New Testament because um, he does a lot of good and he, he does some wrong too, which is real similar to us. So we're going to look at the life of Peter, but allow yourself to be a part of these questions. And when you are answering these questions back to the Lord, I want you to take your shovel, right? And I want you to dig up a good answer, right? You don't have to tell me, but I want you to honor the Lord as you answer those questions as we go through scripture this morning. So can you do that for me? Don't just take and kind of rub off the top, but what's really going on inside? Because really that's what Jesus was trying to do with his disciples. He's asking them questions because he wanted to know what's inside. Turn your Bibles with me to Mark 7, 15. We're going to read through verse 23. Mark 7, verse 15, the Bible says, There is nothing from without a man that entered into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If a man have ears to hear, let him hear. And, he was, and when he was entered into the house from, from the people, his disciples asked him concerning this parable. And he said to them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever things from without enter into the man, it cannot defile him? because it enters not into his heart, key word there, but into the belly and go into the drought and purge all meats. And he said, that which comes out of the man, that defiles a man. 
For from within of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulterers, fornications, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and to defile the man. You know, that's the, that's the way we need to look at these questions today is just to help, help us to be, um, as Psalm 139 says, to have the Lord examine us, right? Just as you would go to the doctor and ask the doctor to examine you, he's going to start asking you, well, what's going on? Right? Where's the issues? Where's it hurt? Where's, the, where's whatever's going on? We need to ask the same questions in our own life so that God can examine us. And we can say, okay, when, when I hit my hand with that hammer as I'm working in the basement, what came out? Right? As my children are driving me nuts at times and I'm not the only one, what comes out? What about my wife? has that um, thing, what's it say in Proverbs, continual dripping something? What comes out? Right, what's coming out of us? What, what's coming out of us? So as we look at these questions, allow the Lord to, to really see who we are. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. It's a tough question. It's a tough question. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So he's asking them a question. And Jesus does this a lot. He likes to ask questions about something else and then later he turns it back to them. Verse 14, and they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he says unto them, okay, but but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, which I love Peter, but he jumps right out there and the answer is he goes, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus asked his disciples a question. Who who is it that men say that I am? Who is it that men say that I am? And they give him some answers. And you could ask the same question today. Well, what's the world say Jesus is? Right? And they'd get a lot of different answers. But Jesus, the real question, the real thing he was after with his disciples was, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter jumps out there and he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right. You're right. That's exactly the answer. And he says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but God has put that in your heart. God has revealed that to you. God is working that through you and in you. So what about us this morning? As we think about that question, when Jesus says, whom do you say that I am? How do we answer that? How do we answer that? That's a tough question, isn't it? It's a tough question. Continue to ponder that and allow the Lord to kind of shake us a little bit. And in the midst of this scripture, he changes Peter. And, he tell, and now he's going to call him, instead of Simon Barjona, he's going to call him Peter, which means rock, right? He's got a new identity in Jesus Christ. 
a new identity in Jesus Christ. So we're going to change gears a little bit as we get into John 21. This is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time together as a service. So I just wonder if we could pray together one more time and just continue to ask the Lord for grace that he would help us to truly see ourselves in Scripture the way he sees us. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word this morning, Father. And Lord, sometimes it hurts, Lord. Sometimes as we, are looked, as we look into the mirror of your word, Father, it, it's painful at times. But Lord, I pray that it would perform that perfect work in our lives this morning. You would help us to see ourselves, Father. Help us to answer the questions this morning, Father, that we can see in our own lives, are we truly available? And if we are, are we doing the things you've called us to do? Lord, we live in a lazy time. We live in a, in a comfort-filled time, Father, where we're so concerned about ourselves. And Father, I just pray this morning we would not think about our comfort. We wouldn't think about lunch coming up in a little couple, an hour, an hour and a half, whenever that may be, Father. But Lord, our time could be focused on you as we look into your word, knowing that it's Jesus, that you are the word. So Father, I pray you'd meet with us this morning and as we go through John 21 and we look at Peter and the disciples, Lord, I pray you would just break our hearts, Father, for your love. Lord, we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look into, continue that thought process with Peter and we're gonna go into John chapter 21. It's on page 1351, if you're still looking. Still with me, good. So we're gonna walk our way through John chapter 21 here. And there's a lot going on. So in John chapter 21, verse one, it says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on, the, on this wise, he showed him, he himself. Therefore, we're together, Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Verse three, Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, we'll go with you too. Then they went forth and entered to the ship, and that night they caught nothing. That night they caught nothing. So the guys had been through a lot at this point, right? They had been with Jesus for three years. They had been there part of his death. They've been there for the resurrection. He's appeared, appeared to them a number of times and a lot has happened in their life. And Peter says, as he's gathered here, and all those guys are fishermen except for Thomas. Thomas would be the only one who's not a fisherman of that group that he just mentioned. Peter says, I'm gonna go fishing. And they said, hey, hold on, we'll, we'll go with you. We'll go with you. We'll go with you. You know, Jesus teaches us that we are to be... Um, that he is the vine and we are the branches. Have you guys ever seen how grapes grow? You know, so many times when I think of the vine and I think of the branches, I kind of think of a little bit like this, like it's growing right here and you just kind of lean against it. You ever think about that way? That's not what Jesus called us to do. And I thought, well, we probably shouldn't just have one hand on the vine. Maybe I'll just put two over here, right? Now I'm really attached to the vine, right? But is that how grapes grow? They hang, don't they? 
We need to be hanging on to Jesus. We need to be hanging on to his word and his spirit that dwells within us with everything in us. He is everything to us. Or I should say, he wants to be everything to us. It's a good place for amen right there. Thank you. I would like to say that my wife, uh, my daughter got her uh, driver's license on Thursday. And uh, so look out. And uh, Mitch got his CDL on Friday. Look out again. So uh, it's been a busy week. So he said, we're going to go back to fishing. We're going to go back and do what we, what we always knew we, we could do. How many times on a Monday morning, hear a great sermon on Sunday morning. I'm not saying this is a great sermon. I'm talking about Merlin's here. How many times do we hear when God moves in our hearts and we're just, we're full, we're ready. And then come Monday, we go back to fishing. Tuesday, we're fishing. Wednesday, we're back to fishing. What did God call his disciples to do? Fish, but not with a fishing rod, amen? Back in Matthew chapter four, he told them to do what? Become fishers of men. Become fishers of men. Let's continue on. Verse four, four through six, the Bible says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, children, have you any meat? And they answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. You know, God loves his disciples so much. They're out there and they've had a lousy night. They fished at night. They've been out there all night and they've caught nothing. And now they can look and they can see someone on the shore. And that someone says, hey, do you have any fish? And he said, well, no. And they said, hey, why don't you throw your nets on, that, on the right side, right? The right side of the boat. And so they throw it in and now they can get the and get the net back in the boat, right? So a lot going on there. So they cast their four, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Think about these disciples. We're out here fishing. We've caught nothing. Now this stranger from the shore is telling us to throw our net on the other side to do something different than we've been doing tonight, and yet now we have this great harvest. We have this great harvest and I look at that and go, how'd they not know that was Jesus? How'd they not know that? Verse seven, therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, it is the Lord. And here's our buddy again. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat onto him for he was naked and he did cast, um, lost my spot there, did cast himself into the sea and the other disciple came in the little ship for they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes, dragging the net with fishes. So John recognized, this is Jesus. Hey, Peter, that's, that's Jesus. Peter says, I'm out of here, right? I am out of here. I love Peter's zeal. There's Jesus. I'm gonna go be with Jesus, right? He grabs his coat and off he goes. He's in the water. And what's, what's weird in the story is it seems like they all get there at the same time. Right? So he's trying really hard, but they all get there at the same time. So he throws his coat on and he gets, to the, he gets over there, throws himself into the sea. The other disciples came and they dragged this net full of fish. 
Verse 9, now as, as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. Fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up, drew the net to land full of great fish, 153. And for all there was so many, yet was not the net broken. So they get to shore and Jesus says, hey, bring some fish. So Peter, again, the zealous guy that he is, he runs over, I'll bring the fish. So he goes over and however they counted these things, but in scripture it says there was 153. There's some significance to that and and I have no idea. But there was a lot of fish in this net. uh, These fish are about two pounds each, so you're looking at about over 300 pounds as a typical fish in the sea. Over 300 pounds in their net and they're dragging this up and yet the net was not broken. The net, net was not broken. Again, keep picturing yourself as one of the disciples here. Let's go on in verse 12. So Jesus says unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples asked him, who art thou knowing that it was the Lord? When did, uh, excuse me, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and give them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus sowed himself to the disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. So as they're standing around the fire with Jesus and they're putting some fish on the fire, they recognize, hey, this is the Lord. And the word asked there is, is really prove. Prove that it's him. But they recognize that it was him and yet they didn't say anything. So think about this. You're one of the disciples. You've just been out fishing and Jesus called you back to land and now you're standing in front of him and you've got this fire and there's fish and there's your savior. He's, he's serving you. He's serving you. And think about this. As you're standing there and you're Peter, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Ah, that's my savior. Remember, the, remember that guy that I denied? Remember the one who said, I'll never deny you, Lord. Everybody else will, but oh, not me. Think about Thomas. Thomas is standing there going, ah, he's the one. I can see those nail prints in his hands. Remember, I didn't believe him. I made him prove it to me. How about us sometimes? Do we still not believe? What is it gonna take for us to finally believe that he is who he is? I don't have to be like Thomas and see the nail prints in his hands the, the, the spear in his side, I don't have to have that. And I can just imagine the disciples just watching their Savior work and just being reminded of all the things that Jesus had done for them. Has Jesus done a lot for you? Amen? Yeah, he's been so good to us. He has been so good to us and we need to be reminded of those things because those things help us to stay on the path. They help us to have a broken heart before him. Remember one of the first things Jesus said, Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He likes a broken spirit. He likes us to be humbled before him because we recognize our need for him. And when we don't recognize our need for him, then we're, we're kind of out on our own. And that typically doesn't work out so well. Typically doesn't work out so well. And think about these disciples again. They've been out all night. 
They've been fishing all night with nothing until the very end of the night. Now they're standing before their Savior around this hot coals, okay? Now the questions start. Now the questions start. So let's look at a few of these. We're starting verse 15 and 16 here. And again, Peter is the, the zealous one and, and Jesus goes right, right, to, right to Peter. Verse 15 says, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs, or <clears throat> excuse me, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Now we read back in Matthew where Jesus had changed Simon, son of Jonah, to Peter, right? Well, what, what's going on here? What happened? Peter the rock. What happened to that guy? Jesus is using his name before. It's like saying, and, and I, my hand knows I can pick on her, right? It's like when, when Hannah's not doing something right, and I say, Hannah Elizabeth Wreckers, right? And then she'll, okay, Dad, what is it you want now? Right, she knows she's in trouble. This is, this is God trying to get Simon Peter's attention here. Simon, son of Jonah, where's your allegiance? He's using that name that was given by his own parents. Simon, Peter, where are you at in this? He says, do you love me more than these? And he's looking at the rest of the disciples there. He says, Simon, do you love me more than these? And, and Simon Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he says unto him, feed my lambs. And I can just imagine Peter standing there as his heavenly father speaking through Jesus here, calls him by his full name. And again, he's reminded of all the things that he had done wrong, all the things where he had, he'd failed. And so he's, Jesus asks him, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the word agapeo, and this is, this is where Merlin comes in handy, right? And that's the verb of agape. Agape is a noun. That's that divine love, God's love. It's the love that we only have in Christ. I can't share that love with anyone else unless the Lord is in me bearing that out in us. That's where that agape love from, comes from. But here, he's asking Peter, do you agapeo me? Which means, do you, do you love me? Are you, it's an action, and Peter says, so, so Jesus is saying, do you love me? And Peter says, well, yeah, I, I love you. Phileo, it's a brotherly love. I love Eric, he's my brother. That's what, that's what Simon Peter's saying. He goes, well, I, yeah, I love you. I, I love you, Jesus. I love you more than these, absolutely, here. And in our language, it's a little different, right? We have one word for love. We talk about we love a hot dog, I love my wife, I love my children. We use the same word all the time, right? But in their language, it's different. Jesus says, do you love me? It's everything. That's the question he's asking Peter. That's the question he's asking us this morning. But so often our answer is, but Lord, I love you. Lord, I, absolutely. Lord. Yeah, I love you, Lord. Right here, I'm good. And if we're right here with Jesus, Jesus is not Lord. And if he's not Lord of your life, he is nothing to you. Amen? 
He wants to be Lord of your life and he will not play second fiddle or he will not allow um, himself to be number two. And he goes on, he says, feed my lambs, take care of these. Make sure you take care of their, their, their things that they're most needful with them. Take care of them just like you would a young lamb. Feed them. But Jesus isn't done with Peter yet. Verse 16, he says to him the second time. I don't know about you, but I don't like being asked the same thing twice. Right? I don't, especially if my wife's asking me. And she's a good woman too, by the way. He says to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter answered to him, he says unto him, yea, Lord, thou know that I love thee. And he says unto him, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. But Peter's answer didn't change. Jesus says, Peter, once again, you didn't hear me right the first time. Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, yeah, Lord, I do. I do love you. I love you right here. Can you allow that to sink in for a minute? Can you allow the Lord to speak to your heart with that and think, well, if I'm standing there before Jesus, if I'm Peter standing before Jesus, and here's a man who God loves, he loves him just like he loves us. He is gonna use Peter, as we know later on in scripture, as he wants to use us. Peter, in his own eyes, is being very available. He's just making a mess of things sometimes, right? Like we do too. But allow God to ask you that question, do you love me? And allow our answer to be different than Peter's answer here. Yes, Lord. And he says, Peter, I want you to feed the sheep. I want you to tend and be that pasture. I want you to to take care of these sheep. I want you to take care of them as a pastor would take care of a flock. but he's not done. He's not done. Now in verse 18. Look at my notes here real quick. Verse 17, there is something different that he says there. He says, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. So he says to him the third time, Simon, son of Joe, and lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus says unto him, feed my sheep. So the third time that Jesus says this to Peter, guess who changes their word? Jesus did. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. You know that I love you right here. What about us this morning? When we look at scripture and we see these questions that Jesus is asking, it's pretty tough stuff, right? And I'm not saying that because I'm up here. The Lord asked me to share this message. Doesn't mean I have it all figured out. I have to answer these questions the same as every one of us. Do you love me, he says. And I don't, I don't want this. 
I don't want this phileo love. I can have that right here with, with my brothers. I want to agape. I want to love the Lord for who he is. That's what Jesus is calling us to. That's who Jesus is calling us to. <clears throat> thou knowest all things, the Bible says. Thou knowest that I love you. And Jesus says unto him, feed my sheep. You know, there's nothing we can hide from God. We think we can hide things, right? Keep our screens locked on our cell phone because we don't want nobody to see our stuff, right? Keep the bedroom door locked because we don't want nobody in the room. We think we can hide stuff. Jesus knows every thought. He knows everything you've ever done. And here's the amazing part. He loves you anyway if you accept what he's done for you on the cross. Amen. He loves you anyway. None of us would do that, right? None of us would do that. That's who Jesus is. He loves us enough to say, I will redeem that time. I will take that upon myself. But again, he continues to use that word, Simon, son of Jonah, instead of referring to him as Peter. Verse 18. Verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, when you were young, you girded yourself, and you walked whether you would. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and others shall gird thee and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. Then he spake, he spake this, signifying by the, what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Jesus is saying that to Peter, follow me. Right? I think this is the key to the whole section here. Right? Peter recognizes that his love isn't here and he wasn't lying to God because we really can't, right? We can, we can try, but he knows. But so his love was here. And Peter, Peter was told by God, okay, now, now follow me. Follow me. You know what's going to happen when we follow Jesus? That love's going to increase. Amen. We're going to desire a deeper relationship with him. We're going to see that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're not real far in our walk. And we need to grow. And God wants to use us and, and, and work in and through us, that we can grow to that agapeo love where Jesus deserves. Follow me. And think about all that had happened in Peter's life. So he has been with Jesus for three years. And that very early on of calling when he was a fisherman, lay down those fishing nets and, and come and follow me. And so many times I think we're a little bit naive as new Christians thinking, well, this is really great, right? We drop these fishing nets and now we're gonna go follow Jesus. Well, they'd been with Jesus for three years now. And they'd seen the harsh treatment. They'd seen the things that Jesus had done and all that had happened to Jesus, the beatings and all that had happened to him. And now... Jesus is asking him to follow him. After we've walked with God for a while, it, it's different today than it was 20 years ago when I said yes to Jesus. It's, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? But we have to be faithful. And just as Jesus is telling Peter here to follow him, we have to continue to follow him. And one of the things we do a terrible job of is we're so concerned about our brother and our sister that we miss our own walk with Jesus. We're so concerned about that speck or something in our brother's eye, yet we've got this plank sticking out of our forehead, right? 
So many times when we hear a message, we say, well, I'm glad sister so-and-so is listening to that. Well, I hope that my wife's paying attention, right? Don't we think those things sometimes? Whenever God is speaking to us on a Sunday morning through Merlin or whoever's up here, guess who it's for? Us. Amen. Can we receive that this morning? It's for us. Let's continue on. John chapter 21, verses 20 through 23. Then Peter, turning about, sees the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on the breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarries till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. You know, my house, we call this deflection, right? When we're focused on what I'm supposed to do, right? I'm supposed to wash the dishes. Well, what about Miriam? What's she supposed to do, right? Or about in the church? Well, if I'm doing this, then what's Eric doing? And Jesus is saying, don't you worry about anybody else. That's his job, amen? We need to be focused on what's God called us to do. But we love to do this. We're so concerned about everybody else and we miss the gospel for ourselves so many times. What God wants to do in us and through us. He tells Peter, you follow me. You do that. I think of the words of Paul where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. So was Peter available or not? He was the first to react. He was bold. He was courageous for the Lord. I see a man who wanted to do something great for God, but he just wasn't sure what or how. He was so full of himself that he was the problem, right? He kept getting in his own way. When Jesus told him to follow, Peter was forced to count the cost and make an answer. Our calling may not be what you want, but it is your calling, right? What you're called to in life as we follow the Lord is not your choice. It's not your choice. It's not. God put in what he wanted to put in. And then he wants to grow that in you. He wants to grow that in you. Another quote by William Carey, and this is probably my favorite quote. He says, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And, and I want to use that in the context that the only thing that matters is God's will for our lives. Amen? The direction that God has taken us as we are available to God, that we allow him to, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us to do what he's called me to do. And we all have something. And I want to ask the question, as Merlin's been talking about this, are you available? Are you available that God can use you? Doesn't mean that we're all gonna quit our jobs and run off somewhere. Maybe some of us will. But God wants to use you right where you're at. Amen? So one of the things that Merlin asked me to share this morning as we're up here, as I'm up here, is where the Lord's leading us as a family. As most of you know, um, we've, we've said yes to serve India. And we are gonna be 
full-time with them at some point in the future. We haven't really put a date on that just yet. Um, I have talked to my boss, and he knows that at some point I'm out the door, and he blessed me in that. He's a good Christian man. So what does that mean for us? Well, this is us here, most of them. No, that's all of them. The only one missing is Mitch. He's usually there too. Denise, a lot of times too. So this is all of our our youngins. So we still have five at home. And I'm a little like Peter, right? For years, Lord, I know there is something you have for us to do. I'm just not sure what that is. And for this decision for us to go and work with Serve India, it's been a big decision for me because I love that ministry, but I really struggle letting go. And the Lord's been working in us and through us to teach us that it has nothing to do with us. Amen. It's about being obedient to the Lord. And God wants us to be obedient. So we're going to be phasing out um, and moving to India. No, I'm teasing. We're not moving to India. We're going to stay in the area. We're going to be a part of the church. But we're probably not going to be here every Sunday because we plan to go and serve as a family. Not all those, but the ones that are home yet. We want to go and share uh, what God is doing with Serve India through the other churches that we have the privilege to go and share. So we're probably going to be gone several weeks a month. And that's hard for us because I love y'all, right? I do. I love you guys. You guys welcomed us in five years ago. We love you guys. We don't want to be apart from you guys, but that's what God has for us. So a couple things are going to happen. We're trying to move. We're trying to sell our house and downsize so we can get out of debt so that we're free to serve God. And that's really hard because we have our dream house, right? As my wife calls it, we'll never live this good again, she says probably true so we're trying to get it ready and we're trying to sell it and that's where we think the Lord is leading us to do one of the things the church is going to do here is they're going to ordain me as a as a minister of God and I'm looking forward to that that way I can be sent out from this congregation and go out and represent serve Indian ministries as I um, still belong to this church as I'm still accountable to this church for what God is doing you know, Merlin challenged us a, a long time ago to pray Luke 10 2. That the field is white with harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest would send forth his laborers. If you pray that, God's going to move in your life. I can promise you that. That's what he's done in our life. When I first told my wife, I really feel like this is what God wants us to do, she says, I know. I know. I don't like it, but I know. So if you guys would be praying for us as we want to be available to God and walk through this, it's not going to be, uh, I'm sure it won't be easy. Um, Don't expect it to be easy, but we would ask that you pray for us. Well, let's all stand. We'll be dismissed. Thank you for uh, allowing me the privilege to share this morning. I love this, in case you couldn't tell. It's probably the most fun all month. So it's all downhill the rest of the month. So I'm teasing. Let's pray together and I want to want to bless us and then uh, we'll be done. Father, you are so good to us. Lord, as we look to your word and we look at these questions, Father, that you were asking Peter and the disciples, Father, you're so good to allow us to read that, Father, to allow your spirit 
to speak to our own hearts this morning, Father, where we can answer that question, do you love me? Lord, we know the answer from you is absolutely, you love us, you did everything for us. You fill us with your spirit, you've given us forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. You give us victory over sin and death. And in the midst of that, Lord, you want to use us to further your kingdom, Lord. But your word tells us that we have no part in the kingdom of heaven unless we are born again, Father. And Lord, I pray for anyone in the midst today, Lord, who has not had that experience with you, Father, Lord, that you would meet them right where they are. Lord, you would help them to feel the, the drawing of your spirit, Father. For your word tells us that no man comes to you unless your spirit draws them, Father. I pray that you would draw them and bring them to their knees, Father, of how much they need you, Father. And Lord, I pray for your church here, Lord, your sons and your daughters, Father. Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to each one of us, Father, that we can continue to say yes to you, Lord. And Lord, as we examine our own hearts this morning, may we answer back to you that we agape, we love you, that we love you. Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I pray that the Lord would go with you this week, that we would not be forgetful hearers, and that the Lord would bless you today as you spend time with your mothers. Go in peace.